Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, into the Get Around Podcast. Episode Dirty Dozen. We have hit number 12. So we got uh, episode Dirty Dozen, episode Dozen of Donuts, episode... Where are our donuts? Oh, what a mistake that was, that I didn't bring in donuts. We kind of drove by Potter's. We really should have picked those up. Well, you drove by Potter's Bakery. Maybe you did. Kind of. If you were coming down... Uh, eighth. I, uh, I on, on the other hand, did not. They do have some delicious donuts over there. Potter's Bakery, hey, if you feel like sponsoring the uh, Get Around Podcast, if you guys need to contact me. At, uh, that B- means I get free donuts once a month. Bequeely at record-eagle.com. got to make sure you have that dash in between record and eagle. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm your host, Brendan Queely, and alongside me this week, we have a special guest host in the studio uh, from Michigan State University, he comes in at five foot ten and a hundred and forty pounds. Give or take the donuts, yeah. Give or take the donuts. We have seven and four is Harrison Beebe. Coming in at the power forward position, we have James Cook. He is a stout, I would say. Getting down there, throwing his uh, throwing his body around five eight. Five eight. Hundred and seventy sixty ish. Do you ever plan to slim down to that wrestling weight you guys were talking about a week ago? What one ten? You gonna get down to one hundred three, James? <laughs> no, I'm gonna get back down to one twelve even. Uh, no, I'd be scared. I think you'd be starving yourself at that point if you were down to one hundred three, one twelve. I can even get down to the lowest college weight right now, which is one twenty six. That's the lowest college weight. It's probably right now, a good thing. All right, well, like I said, welcome into episode 12 of the Get Around Podcast. Uh, you are here on a good one as we are about to discuss the uh, two biggest football games this past weekend, uh, Central Lake taking on Deckerville in the eight-man state championship game, and then St. Francis taking on the, uh, well, more than proverbial powerhouse, I mean, the straight-up definition of a perennial powerhouse in Ithaca. Uh, so we'll get to those in a little bit, and we will also induct our 12th athlete into the Get Around Hall of Fame. We've got a couple of nominations from Central Lake, and we also have a nomination from Traverse City St. Francis. We'll follow that up with some boys' basketball talk. We'll talk a little Northwest Conference, and we'll talk uh, Big North Conference and Lake Michigan Conference as well. And then, for some reason, we are going to talk Detroit Lions, but I am the one who wrote up this script, so it was my decision, but I figured, what the hell, We'll throw a little uh, national sports into this the is, conversation. This is their week. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's why I, I, it plays really well into the trifecta because we're going to have the Lions conversation, which is going to be about the Thanksgiving game against the Minnesota Vikings. And then this week's trifecta is your favorite Thanksgiving tradition other than overeating. So, again, we are... Third week in a row, we're not doing film or TV in for our trifecta after uh, Harrison was uh, kind enough to criticize us for that at pint night one night and said, what are you going to do when you run out of bad ideas? He had a nice Freudian slip there. He didn't say run out of good ideas. He said run out of bad ideas. And then we corrected him, and like 30 seconds later, he said run out of bad ideas again. So clearly he thinks... Hey, for the record, I, my movie contributions... I, I, were fantastic. Happy Gilmore and Mighty Ducks, I could do those week in and week out. I, I had no problem with you doing the movies. I just wanted to know where you were going to evolve the discussion into after you dried the movie well. And when we were going to run out of bad ideas. You're a lovely person. and You ever- did do the Mighty Ducks week in and week out. Well, one week. This is only my third time on this show. It may seem like I've been here forever. 
All right, well, let's, you let's get into some things right now. We'll check the heartbeat of the sports world as we get into the pulse. We'll go ahead and start with Central Lake winning the Division I eight-man state championship in a comeback win over the Eagles of Deckerville. Central Lake was down 24-14 to at the half, and uh, I think one of the bigger storylines of the game was when uh, starting center Dalen Clark went out with a right knee injury, and I remember actually hearing him uh, when he was on the bench on the sideline, and this was uh, coming into the third quarter, he said, I heard something snap. So once I heard that, and then once I saw him take, you know, have his... Uh, get his uh, knee wrapped in ice and then take his pads off. At that point, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's not coming back into the game. And so he is, I mean, he's listed on the roster at, at six foot, 265 pounds. Kid looks a little bit bigger than that. I'd probably put him at 6'2", close to maybe 280. And the uh, the one who replaced him was a sophomore, uh, Vance uh, Hoxima. And he's given up a lot of inches and a lot of weight to uh, to Clark. Um, he is, uh, Hoxima is just 5'6 and 140, and that might be being slightly generous as well. He is, he, he's certainly not the biggest kid, but what I've noticed is when I've covered these three Central Lake games, or the two leading up to the state championship, is that he is usually the loudest on the sidelines. He is, I mean, he is always cheering at the top of his lungs for his team. You know, it was a little worrisome early on coming into that, him coming into that game, because he fumbled the first snap. And then on the next snap, he got pushed around, and I went, oh, man, this is, this is really not looking good for the Trojans. If they don't have a center that can at least open up some holes for that running game, uh, even as strong as uh, Grant Papenow is and as even as, as shifty as Skylar Spangler is, it's going to be tough to, to pick up some rushing yards if you don't have uh, an offensive line that can open up some holes and, and one that is letting uh, uh, you know, uh, defenders uh, kind of spill through. But uh, the kid was practicing his snaps uh, on the sideline, uh, and then once he got out in that second half, he was like a different player. I mean, it, it was just, if, like, I, like I tweeted on Saturday, to fire in the belly. That kid had so much fire in the belly, and his teammates were so great. Teammates were amazing, like keeping him up, you know, patting him on the shoulders after every play, like, you know, patting him on the, on the helmet and really getting in there and giving him a lot of encouragement, which I really think built his confidence. Uh, that kid clearly just wanted it. I know you two uh, weren't able to be there and see it, but uh, a little kid, and I, I shouldn't call him a little kid because he's not a little kid, but small in stature, uh, to go out there and do that, I was just, I was really impressed. Did I hear correct that he'd only had about four snaps, game snaps before this game this weekend? Yes, that's what uh, head coach Rob Hickey said, that he had just, uh, just four snaps and uh, somehow managed to, uh, like I said, be that unsung hero in, in the game and... Uh, really open up that the offense in in the second in the second half for um, and, and I I shouldn't give credit just to Hoxima it was the rest of the offensive line that stepped up as well I think once they saw that Clark went out they're like oh we've got to amp up our game as well we don't have this you know six foot you know two hundred and sixty five pounder out here to to throw the other guys around so they that that offensive line I think deserves a a lot of credit for that win and and, and I mean beating a Deckerville team. I mean, you were talking about Ithaca being a power. Uh, Deckerville in, in Division Eight or an eight player has been kind of a perennial power uh, since that has started up. You know, since the eight players started up. And I mean, you look at the All State team; they had four kids on the All State team. Central Lake had one. 
which is Grand Papinaw. But, uh, I mean, so Central Lake wasn't quite getting the respect coming into the game maybe a little bit. Um, I imagine that, that Rob Hickey probably used that a little bit if, if he knew what the All-State numbers were going to be. <laughs> well, that was the one thing that he said to me after the game. One of the early quotes when I asked him about the win, he said, you know, this was a lot of people doubted us. A lot of people didn't believe in us, but we knew what we had in that locker room. We knew what we were putting out on that field, and we believed this entire year. But like I said last week, I think the the, the time that they believed the most was when they beat Onekama. Uh, I know that you, Harrison, thought that Onekama would roll. Uh, James, I know that you kind of had an idea that Onekama might might I, roll I, in that game. I picked game. Onekama to win that uh, game because they I, were just... They were just crushing people I such big margins. And I unlike Central Lake, we all had thought that Onekama didn't need to make the jump to really justify a good season in 11-man football, and so that was kind of what that was looking like as a team that kind of needed to downgrade and a team that probably didn't. Yet here we are talking about Central Lake five weeks later as the state champs. So Yeah, they only had 15 players on their roster this year, so you had eight playing two ways the entire time. You know, you look at Gavin Mortensen, he's the QB, but he's also in there. Uh, I think he racked up 13 tackles uh, on the day. And Skylar Spangler, a great running back, he was in on defense as well. He had a team high 15. And then Papineau, as we had mentioned before, all-state running back, uh, he had, I think he had 13 tackles. So the, the defense was... Uh, was really in there going after uh, a very good Deckerville team. And it's what was really surprising is you had Deckerville, which was averaging close to 50 points a game, and they put up 24 in the first half. And then without Clark, you're thinking, oh, man, Deckerville might really kind of run up the score here. And then somehow they only get six points in those final 24 minutes. Uh, a lot of the credit has to go to, uh, to, that, uh, uh, to the Central Lake defense uh, for what they did. Yeah, I mean, not being used to trailing in a game all year, what well, that was pretty much the stat, is they'd never been behind, especially in a critical game like that. They had been down one point by a single point in Week 5. And that was, what, Tri-Unity or somebody like that? Well, I, I can't remember who they played, but that's what Hickey said after the game, that the only time that they trailed was in Week 5, and that was by a single point. And uh, they got down by, I think, as many as 12, um, but were... Yeah, because it was it was sixteen to eight. No, was it sixteen? Well, they got down by as many as ten. They, they were down they by had 10 a deficit where they, they had to do some work. And a, a game against Deckerville for a state title is a little different than a week five game where you're still kind of feeling out the process of playing in the eight player division. Uh, so I imagine the pressure was a little more there, which makes it even even that much more remarkable that they were able to pull off that come behind win and prove to be the better team on that grand stage. Yeah, when it was uh, when it, uh, the score was thirty to twenty six, and uh, Central Lake got the ball back at their own eleven. I was there with uh, Chris Dobrowski from the Petoskey News. Is that where he works? Antrim, Antrim County. County. Antrim County. Okay, uh, I was there with him, and I was also there with uh, Matt Doyle from Nine and Ten, and they were all standing down at the at the eleven yard line down there covering that. And I went, you know what, I have. I have a feeling about this, so I'm going to walk down all the way down to the end zone. And so I stood behind the end zone, and within the first two plays, uh, the second play was a pass uh, uh, out into the flat to Papineau, 
and I thought he was gone. I thought he was going to break it, and I had my camera ready. I was right there ready for him to, to run in, uh, but he did go 51 yards and was tackled. I mean, just by, like, the guy got him by his ankle and tripped him up a little bit, but he was able to bring it down to the to the 28, moving from the 21, his own 21, and then bring it up to the Deckerville 28. But I thought for sure, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I was almost right place, I was right almost in the right place at the right time. I learned a little bit from Brett Summers on that one after uh, Schwanicki made that 38-yard game-winning touchdown run in the uh, – uh, in the in the playoff game against West, but uh, and then, of course, I was on the opposite end of the end zone when Mortensen ran in the six yards for the for the game-winning touchdown. So I missed that photo, uh, but I did get some of the celebration afterwards. But that wasn't that wasn't a great one either. But uh, speaking of Mortensen, other than the uh, the game-winning uh, touchdown run, which he, he he just breezed into the end zone, followed his blockers, went in there, and it was. It was over. I don't think I don't think he was touched, but he also had three huge passes on the day. I mentioned the 51-yarder to Papineau. He had that. He went three for five for 127. So the three passes that he completed were both huge. Uh, he also had a 27-yarder to Spangler, and then probably his biggest pass of the day was on a fourth and nine uh, from the Deckerville 49, and he hit Hoogerhide, who actually had to. Uh, turn around to see the ball and kind of wait for it to fall into uh, into his hands, into his chest, and uh, he did that at the 15, and then was able to escape a couple of tacklers and, and get into the end zone. Um, to uh, I, and at that point, that gave uh, I believe that gave uh, Central Lake the 14-8 lead, and then Deckerville came back to lead 16 to 14, and then 24 to. Yeah, 24 to 14, um, and then they eventually went up uh, 24 to, or 30 to 20 before Central Lake was able to come back and get that win. It was just incredible. That was the first time I was able to ever to cover a state championship game or a state championship win. I've, I've been to a few of them, uh, but that was the first time I actually got to see a win. And I'm glad because it, I was starting to think I was some sort of jinx. Like every time I went and covered a team that was in the state championship, they would lose. Um, and I'm like, man, am I ever going to see a win? So, yeah, it was nice to, to make that five-hour trek up there to, uh, to Marquette and, uh, and get that win. Uh, the question that I have for both of you guys, does this win lend a lot of credibility to Central Lake's decision to go down to eight-man? I think definitely. I mean, uh, you know, you, we've talked earlier this year about uh, how when they made that decision, uh, a bunch of kids just decided not to come off of the team anymore. Um, so um, maybe right off the bat, maybe it didn't seem like a good idea, but obviously, right now it does. It seems like a great, a, a great decision for them. You know, I have, think this will help rejuvenate the program. Obviously, I think they'll have more kids come out in future years. Maybe some of those kids that didn't come out at the beginning of the year that were on last year's team. I'm, I'm imagining that that Rob probably, if they came in when they were five and zero and said, "Hey, can we come back out on the team?" I'm, I'm imagining he probably said no. You know, if these these kids were here the whole time, these are my guys. You know, but I, I, you know, between seasons, maybe if some of those guys were underclassmen and wanted to come back, you know, maybe uh, for the whole season and put the off season work in, I think you might do that. Because I talked to a fan before the game, and he said that there were a lot of people who were fighting dropping down to eight man, and even though the writing was on the wall, and they were seeing the. They were seeing the uh, the younger programs not getting as uh, as many 
players coming out for the team, the junior program, the junior high program, I should say, the junior varsity program, they were getting like 13 to 15 kids. And uh, the head coach, I, I think, you know, when Hickey left a couple of years ago, he kind of, he saw that the writing on the wall. He was like, we're not, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to survive too much longer in 11-man. And if uh, the, the community here keeps wanting to, uh, to stay in 11 man I don't I don't think that's going to be something that I want to be around for and Hiki is you know he's he's an outsider he's not a, a Central Lake native or anything like that so uh, it was going to be it may have been tough for the community to listen to him but uh, I think once they made that drop down to eight man he was more than happy to come back and obviously lead that team to a 13 and0 record and a state championship win Harrison I'm going to ask you a question right now uh, Mortensen is a senior on that team. We talk about that three-headed monster of Mortensen, Papenau, and Spangler. So you have Mortensen, who's a senior, so that was it for him. He he goes out on top. He does the old John Elway and, and leaves with, uh, or even Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning <laughs> right, uh, goes out with, uh, with a, a state championship. But you have Spangler and Papenau, who are both juniors. They're going to be coming back for their senior years, or at least I would imagine they're coming back. I would imagine they want to come <laughs> back and, and play again and try to defend that title. Uh, how do you think that roster is going to look next year without Mortensen uh, running the game from the QB position? Uh, I, you know, the, the way a player football is, is, is growing in the area, it's kind of a, a lot of question marks because I, I think they know, but us as a public, we don't really know necessarily the specifics as far as the conference realignments. Uh, maybe the MHSA decides to grow the playoff field. Maybe not this first year because it was a big expansion for them to go to the two brackets this year. But, uh, yeah, you can't argue with, with success and the fact that there was no loss any part of this season. Gavin Mortensen, we'll hear later when we talk about our Athletes of the Week, uh, I feel was a very big part of this team getting to where they are, but I, I don't think in any way that hinders really what they can accomplish next year, especially now with a whole 365-day calendar ahead of them to find that new quarterback uh, to really lead them up. As we all know, we're not knocking on quarterbacks in any way, but in the high school game, you know, it's, it's not the NFL. You don't need that superstar quarterback to really get you where you want to be. So they've got plenty of time to find the next guy in place. And uh, isn't it nice to have Spangler and, and Pappen right there ready to hand the ball off to whenever you get to that first game? Yeah, you'd think that Spangler probably had, had done enough to earn a little All-State uh, recognition, I would think. Uh, but but that I, I would think so. He was nominated. Yeah, and it's possible that with Central Lake dropping down to eight man for the first year, maybe there were some voters out there that weren't too familiar uh, with the program. But uh, run down the stats real quick. Uh, Papenau, 30 carries, 181 yards, a touchdown, and, and then, like I said, 13 tackles. Spangler, 18 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and a team high, 15 tackles. Then Mortensen, 11 carries for 36 yards, and, of course, uh, that was the game-winning six-yard touchdown with two minutes and 45 seconds left. Uh, and I, I would I would actually be remiss if I didn't mention this is and although it didn't turn out to be the nail in the coffin but it was one of them but Dylan Michael had an enormous uh, strip sack and fumble recovery after they had scored that game-winning touchdown and that uh, put them at the Deckerville 20 I think with about like a minute uh, maybe a little over two minutes left to play in that one unfortunately uh, they had uh, they forced uh, Central Lake into a uh, uh, to turn it over on downs, but and they were able to. Oh, the one other thing that I should mention too. I keep forgetting all these things, but so you had Deckerville get down to the 21 
with uh, you know less than a minute to go, with about 33 seconds to go, they don't have a kicker on the roster. They were only down 32 to 30, so a field goal would have won the state championship. But they literally did not have a kicker on the roster. There was nobody on there that had a K next to their name, so they didn't have anybody to do it. And that's why they had to go for it on fourth and nine from the 21 yard line. And you had Jace Hugerhide who was able to uh, knock the ball away from Wyatt uh, Janowiak, I believe that's how it was pronounced. Uh, and that locked up the game. And then you saw the kids just in complete disbelief. Like, they really didn't know that they had won it. They kind of were just looking around like, is that, is that it? That's how, that's are, how we, it <laughs> are we Are we done? Did we win? And uh, then you kind of saw the realization hit. You saw Mortensen run over it and give a huge hug to, to Rob Heakey, and you saw the players just kind of start to celebrate. They still obviously had to get into victory formation. Uh, and even after that, they weren't sure. There were 30 seconds left, and even after that, they took the knee, and then they were like, do we have to, do we have to take a knee again, or, or are we okay? <laughs> and it we're, not, was, we're new to this eight-player format. Was. Is there something else? Do we fire off fireworks? There the were end? so many of the players. Spangler said it uh, after the, uh, the state semi against Stevenson. He's like, I never imagined in my entire life that I would be playing for a state championship. And then you had Mortensen yesterday, or uh, I should, sorry, I should say uh, Saturday, uh, saying that I never in my life thought that I would win a state championship. So you had a lot of guys on there that didn't think it would ever happen, and then when it did, it makes sense that they were in disbelief. Well, real quick to add uh, that you had asked James earlier about did they see this possibility coming of an A-player a state championship compared to, you know, oh, you said making the adjustment to move down to A-player or staying at 11 minutes, which was the controversial decision for a lot of communities as well as Central Lake. Um, but, I mean, where are we looking at here? Say they were in Division A. They'd be a very good team. They definitely would have improved off 2-7. and seven. But uh, would they be at Ford Field this weekend? Who's to say? The Division A field is pretty good. Frankfurt was a great team. Gaylord St. Mary was a pretty good team. I'm sure Central Lake would have been in that mix of discussion. But who's to say if or if they are not still playing and possibly at Ford Field this weekend? I think knowing the what-ifs for 11-man and knowing what happened for for 8-man and 8-player, I'd say every single kid on that bus, every every single athlete on that bus, uh, and every single fan in that community is really happy. And one other quick shout-out, Central Lake Ellsworth Co-op. I've gotten a couple emails. It's tough to refer to it as a co-op on TV, but we do want to give a round of applause to those people at Ellsworth, too, because uh, a few of those guys were on the team as well, those two high schools forming the uh, the one football program. All right, moving on to the St. Francis loss to Ithaca, a 27 to nothing shutout. James, do you know the last time that St. Francis was shut out? How long? Uh, 2013. 2013. Was that also against Ithaca? It's <laughs> no, that was uh, the ninth week of the regular season they played Muskegon Catholic Central. Oh, okay, which is a pretty dominant program as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, they had not been shut out since that was then. A, that was down year for the Glads, though, right? I think they made it back to the playoffs after missing the year before for the first time in forever. Uh, Might have been. They had one or two seasons where they had you know, some hiccups there. I think that was the year they made it back and they went to West Iron River, Iron County. They did that long, but I think that was 2013. Oh, yes, the uh, infamous Wycons, of course. Yes. The, the iconic Wycons. Wycons. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah, to St. Francis, Francis lost to them in the playoffs as well when they, went, when they had to make that trip. So you had this 27 0 loss to Ithaca, who, of course, is now 107 2 since 2010, an absolutely ridiculous number. This was in the Division Six state finals. Uh, so. Harrison, were you there as well? Covering that one, I was in. I was actually on the field. James was nice and dry up there in the press box, but it was. Nice was and dry. Uh, 
Unlike you guys who had the indoor assignments, technically, where you were sitting. At. I was sweating in the dome, actually. I was just wearing a sweater. How was the temperature in the dome? I was, I was wearing a sweater and jeans, and I was. Uh, there were a couple moments where I was uh, like, I'm a, little, I'm a little toasty in here. In the, uh, the well, compared to the week before dome. in the Central Lake game, uh, even he, he said that after the semifinal, we were like, eh, I guess I won't need the hat next week. Right, so. yes, yeah. Um, but how impressive was that Yellow Jackets team that you guys were watching? Well, I mean, they, they just, uh, I don't know if you want to say that they handled the weather better, but like after the first one or two times that they tried to throw the ball and the ball just kept slipping out of the quarterback's hands, they just said, we're not going to throw the ball anymore. We're just going to run. And when I talked to Terry Hesburgh after the game, that's what he, he said. He said, went up to the offensive line, he gathered them around and said, you know, we can't throw. It's on you guys. You have to open holes, and we got to win this game on the ground. Um, and, you know, that's what they did. I mean, they gained uh, 221 yards on the ground, held St. Francis to 108, which, I mean, it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, 3.3 a carry Especially for St. Francis. <clears throat> and, uh, and those were averaging like nine a carry last week or more than that or close to a first down last week Yeah, every carry. <clears throat> and probably for the season. Right. I mean, and, uh, I mean, you only had 37 passing yards total in the game. That was all by St. Francis. Ithaca Wait, just, all by St. Francis? Ithaca did not have a single passing yard? They did not have a single. They hit, yeah, their quarterback was 0 for 3. They didn't have a, there was one shovel pass late in the game in the, in the fourth quarter that I guess they didn't count as a pass. Uh, but that would have been Ithaca's only completion, and that didn't gain any yardage anyway. Yeah, well, so that's just one of those crazy stats. It, it was, it, it, despite what the score says, I, I really, a couple plays going a couple different directions, and that could have been, I'm not saying a win for St. Francis, but it could have been a very different game. I just, from my perspective on the field, filming, and of course in TV, we're, we're crossing our fingers for some highlights here and some big runs, big plays, and touchdowns. Um, it just seemed like Ithaca was making, there weren't many, but Ithaca was making the big plays, and St. Francis just couldn't really come up. They had a couple in the second half, a couple sacks, and a couple big connections and deep uh, down the field plays, but at that mm-hmm. point it was already 17 nothing. Uh, you know, two and a half, three score deficits. So, it, unfortunately for St. Francis, it just wasn't their day, and Ithaca, Ithaca made those key plays to really, like I said, I don't think it was twenty-seven nothing with the eyeball test, but be that as it may, Ithaca made the plays and effectively capitalized on turnovers on their own end, and mm-hmm. uh, were able were able to put the ball in when they needed to, and that was your final score. Yeah, I think I think I think one of the things we can see is why Ithaca has that 107 and two record since 2010, and that they had they had St. Francis scouted out to a T. Um, you know, they they knew what players to run away from, they knew uh, what you know to concentrate on Muzlakovich in the running game, um, and they, they pretty much took kind of took him away. Uh, and on defense, they ran away from Lintz and Muzlakovich the whole game. Like I think each one of them had one tackle. Um, you know, they uh, Nathan Schmuckle really stood up or stepped up um, and had a had a huge game, especially in the first half. And then in the second half, they stopped running anywhere near him, and he had zero tackles the second half. Um, so they came into this. They they won the the big categories that Hesbrook said that they wanted to come in coming in, which was um, conversions on third and fourth down, uh, special teams not committing penalties. They only had one for five yards, one offsides call for five yards. Um, so last week, the last two weeks, St. Francis has had seen their opponents commit a total of one penalty between Millington and Ithaca. Um, and they won the turnover battle three to nothing. Um, their, their special teams really uh, was a big difference in that game, too. They jumped on a their, couple. 
fumbled miss snaps and uh, yeah, there was a, there, there was a fumbled punt by St. Francis that they recovered. Yeah, it just bounced right by him. That's 35 and rainy and windy. That's just not fun to catch a ball Mm -hmm. (laughs) and be in that spot any day. And then their kicker uh, was kicking the ball out of the end zone, had had three touchbacks. Uh, St. Francis, I think, only started... They only had two drives that started outside of their own 20 the whole game. Was that uh, Passano's first game back? Yes. That was was his first game back. And Hesbrook said that they, they... scouted and played and, and prepared as if he was going to play even though he hadn't played up until this because he said you know if we scout for if we plan for him and he plays then we got it planned and if uh if not then well it was great well. to have him back but it wasn't passing out from week two against Glen lake where he was kind of running all over the field being just as effective as their running backs he was pretty limited understandably yeah. so coming back for your first game in 10 weeks in the state semifinals against ithaca yeah, um, yeah, they totally had to kick gloves on on with him. I mean, he only carried the ball one time. Did he seem apprehensive out there? With uh, was it him being apprehensive, or was it the coaching staff being apprehensive? I think it was kind of the coaching staff. Um, uh, he didn't seem you know apprehensive. He threw the ball like eight times. They threw the ball mm-hmm. ten times. Eight of them were him. Muzlakovic once out of the Wildcat, and somebody else threw one pass. I just think, especially in that first half, what it was ten nothing at half. So they still thought, even with the, like I said, the big plays that were made on Ithaca's side to the zero from St. Francis, they still thought they were well in that game and a couple things go their way. That second half was going to be completely different. So I don't think they had pushed the panic button really mm-hmm. at all until you got to the fourth quarter and realized, yeah, it's a 20, uh, 17, 24, whatever the score was, the early fourth quarter, and you were kind of in that one position. Like, yeah, at this point, it's it's this player, it's it. It kind of slowly went from uh, progressive, progressive mm-hmm. to uh, it's out of hand. Yeah, and as they started getting bound, down a little bit too, they started having to throw the ball more. They tried to throw in a few, like Ithaca, a few times early and then kind of That's stopped it. doing it that for work, the most part yeah. and then started throwing the ball later on in the game when they had to. Um, and with the temperature, the rain, snow, it, it just wasn't working for either team. That's what uh, that's what had to happen in the uh, the Division Two eight man game. I was I was there for that one and I watched because I was writing, but I was able to watch that as well. But you had uh, Crystal Falls Forest Park just destroy. I mean, just tore apart uh, Portland St. Patrick. It was fifty four to twelve, I think, like that. Something like that. And you saw Portland St. Patrick having to throw the ball and. Uh, you know the the quarterback for Portland St. Patrick was a little amped up, made a lot of throws, uh, you know, over the top that were 10, 15 yards beyond where the receiver was, and uh, then you just had you know, uh, Crystal Falls Forest Park just running the ball and continuing to run it and run it and run it and run up that score, and uh, it was it was a running clock uh, early in the in, in the second half. And that game was done before I was even done writing my story. So I was still writing my Central Lake story, and that game was finished. And they were like, the Superior Dome is now closed. Please exit. We renamed it the Trojan Dome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I, you mentioned, uh, Harrison, the, the eyeball test, and the score was 27 to nothing. Uh, what else did you see out there that put Ithaca over the top on the glads that um, maybe those who weren't there kind of don't understand. Uh, you know, Bentley was impressive. 
the, their quarterback, very mobile, uh, could make his own play if he had to. But I don't feel like he dominated either. I'm sure the stats back that up, too. Uh, I don't know the rhyme. Oh, Seth Davis, because I thought, that's not Seth Davis from CBS. That's a guy with long hair running the football. Their, their running back looked pretty effective. The guy that does the uh, all Mar- the March Madness stuff? He does that's all the Seth- CBS. Yeah, no, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. But I kept yeah. thinking that when it was on the loudspeaker. But this was def- this was like an 80s grunge rocker. That would have been Davis. cool, yeah. You would have had uh, Seth Davis and also James Hetfield. Which would have been great too, or Ben Hetfield, or Ben. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking James, his father, of course. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Bentley's uh, numbers were twenty-three carries for one hundred and forty-seven yards, oh, two TDs. Well, then I'm lying. He didn't have a very good day. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I, so rainy and cold, and the, the game was running wrong. on a hand. I just refused to document whatever. He Their did. next best runner was Davis, Seth Davis, who had seven carries for forty-five yards. Still 6.3. But he had some key carries. He had that first he touchdown. He did. He scored the touchdown. He kind of shifting momentum. Like I said, it was never out of hand, but you could just tell early Ithaca was, was taking the momentum with those those big plays. And just St. Francis, I, I don't know what the combination of it was. You, you're probably right when you say the scouting and the film work because, yeah, they weren't they were running up the middle, which usually eventually busts through somebody, and Ithaca was not letting that happen on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And what? the special teams, I think, was just a huge factor. Uh, between They also had their – they punted three times. And each time they did that, they lined up in a regular shotgun format, shotgun uh, and backed up thing with Bentley, Bentley the there. Yep. And right before they would snap yeah. the ball, Bentley would run ten yards back. They would snap it to him, and he just boom. He averaged think, fifty-three yards a punt. <laughs> that kid's got a leg. Yeah, he, he and Ryan well, Hayes, greatest multi multi-man kickers in the state. Because St. Francis had to play it safe, and they didn't have a returner back, so he just got to roll and roll and roll and roll. So, I mean, he averaged 53 yards a punt on, on three punts and, and just buried him every time. Just a couple more questions about St. Francis. Uh, one, when did you guys kind of see that they knew that the game was over? And then what was the emotion like after the loss for those players? A lot of the typical emotions that you would kind of expect. You know, the, the, the guys that I talked to, especially, you know, Ryan Lentz was really emotional after the game because it was his last game. Uh, you know, Joey Muzlakovich was his pretty stoic self um but even he seemed to be a little getting a little emotional when i talked to him um you know so i mean a lot of the guys it's the last game of their career and you know not only the last game of their season where they thought he could maybe win a state championship but the last game of their career so uh, a lot of emotions for a lot of guys like that and and a lot of the a lot of the underclassmen that i talked to with, through the season were saying how these playoff games were for the seniors and that you know they were playing for these guys and everything um I thought it was pretty telling that that uh, Muzlakovich after the game said that this is the the best group of guys that he's ever played with, and he thinks that it will be the best group of guys that he will ever play with. Uh, and, you know, he's just saying he doesn't think he's going to find better teammates in college. Well, now with those uh, those teammates uh, going away with uh, losing so many seniors, Harrison, what do we uh, kind of expect? And I know maybe it's uh, a little early to uh, to do a post mortem on this team. Uh, only given that it's a couple of days after the loss, but what are we thinking in 2018 about the St. Francis team? Are they going to continue to be that dominant program that, uh, just like we thought this year, Brett and I thought this year, like St. Francis is going to take a step back? Are, do we think that about next year? Are they taking a step back, or are they going to be another team that has a you know nine and zero, eight and one, seven and two regular season, something like that? Their their steps back are maybe another loss 
their steps back aren't really, you know, a forgettable season. It's, it's really, it, 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 I might have been in agreement with you that they had a lot of talent on that team a year ago. Uh, and coming off a, a tough loss at Paloma Westphalia in the regional round, but then here they are. They didn't win a conference title, which is always one of their big goals, but uh, they made it one step closer than they did last year. Um, so, And they went on the road and beat a very impressive Millington team in the regionals. So their steps back, if they happen, are not really that noticeable. I mean, at the end of the day, when you look back, you see every year, every season when the brackets come out on Selection Sunday, everybody in that division, whether it's 6 or 7, wherever they fall that year, I think every other team in the state circles that team as like, you know, they don't do it. They got the coaching, the consistency, the the program experience. Everything is there for them to always be in the mix, and I, I don't expect anything less next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that they will uh, They will still be a powerhouse next year. Um, you know, St. Francis uh, doesn't rebuild, they reload. Um, and they're going to have a lot back from this year's team. I mean, they lose a bunch of seniors and the guys who are big contributors. But, I mean, guys that they have coming back next year will be like Keaton Peck, Evan McGee, Tyler Pritchard, Henry Carroll, Dylan McArdle, Danny Passano, Nathan Schmuckle, George Mackey, Quinn Werfel, Artie Dutmers, Brandon Huggard, Tom Hegewald, John Bamer, uh, Spencer Hathaway, Robert Watkoski. I mean, those guys. That doesn't all, seem like a step back to me. Those are guys that are all <laughs> contributors. Forward. Yeah, those are guys that are all contributors in the into this run. Yeah, big contributors. That's another strong defense right there for sure with uh, with yeah. Schmuckle and Dummer, There's no doubt about that. Well, mm-hmm. and whenever you go to their games, and I think you notice this more at practices than you do in games, but uh, that r- right when they go into the the formation, right before they hike the ball, it's very systematic, very program. It just it, it doesn't even seem real how in sync that team is when they execute stuff, uh, and you see it at practice a lot more. They're very situational by the book, and it's it, it's just a, a program that Josh Sellers is, is obviously worked for him in the past 10, 10 years ago in his first uh, reign at top of the Gladiators and it, that same elements of, of leadership and uh, program discipline are, are still in the works now so you really it, especially as long as he's in charge you expect them to always be at the top. And they had a good junior varsity team this year as well um, so you know they'll just plug in some players from there. Yeah I like well. that I, I like that saying that you had they don't rebuild they reload. I thought that's a pretty telling of the St. Francis program well, congratulations to uh, Central Lake for winning the state championship, and congratulations to St. Francis for making a run just short of the uh, of the Ford Field in in Detroit. And congratulations to all of the the football teams, all the volleyball teams, uh, golf players, tennis players, soccer players, and I'm sure that I'm missing a sport right now. Which tennis. One? No, I said tennis. Cross country? Cross country, there we go. I knew I was missing one. You did that on purpose and look at me because you know I ran cross country? Uh, that is exactly why I did it. I didn't actually forget. I just wanted you to remind me because you were a cross country runner. Swimming. So, thank you and congratulations to all of our fall sport athletes as we uh, now get into the uh, winter sports season. But before we do that, let's crown our 12th athlete of the week as we induct somebody into the Get Around Hall of Fame. James, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Who did you put up this week from the Traverse City St. Francis Gladiators? Um, I'm going to put up uh, Nathan Schmuckle. Um, like, like I said, the, uh, Ithaca had decided to uh, to run right away from some of the St. Francis's uh, uh, you know, big guns, I guess, on, on defense. You know, they didn't yeah, Linz and Muzlakovic, uh, they, they just stayed away from them. Uh, and, and it was only 10 nothing at halftime. Schmuckle stepped into that void and had, I think, eight tackles, seven, eight tackles by halftime. Two of those were for loss. 
Um, he just really stepped up and, and, and played well. And then even in the second half, they started going away from him. I'm going to go ahead and put up uh, Central Lakes' Vance uh, Hoaxima. I thought what he did after coming in for the injured center, Dalen Clark, as we uh, talked about before, was just really impressive. Um, I was... It, it was incredible to watch that kid just come in there and really get pumped up and really just absolutely determined to not let the Trojans uh, take a step back with uh, Clark's absence. He was he was there filling in and doing everything that he could and and talking to him uh, after the game. Well, seeing him after the game, he was in I mean just tears of joy, just so happy. I remember I got a great photo of of him and Mortensen uh, embracing. Uh, after that win, and it was, uh, yeah, that, that kid just, he did an incredible job and, and certainly uh, worthy uh, of a nomination for Athlete of the Week. Yeah, and mine is uh, going to be the one you just mentioned, embracing in that photo, Mr. Gavin Mortensen. Uh, I feel like he was a very pivotal part. Not he's just for the week, for the championship. He obviously had the game-winning touchdown, uh, which is critical, but it, it just seemed like since I interviewed him preseason, all the way through, it seemed like he was a very, as much as almost Rob Hickey was for leading this team up and coaching them and adjusting to all the changes. Uh, Gavin really bought in to the to the eight player form. Once they got going, he when I did the interview with him, I said, "What are your thoughts on being eight player?" He's like, "Ah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm a little disappointed." So he was kind of on the fence, like a lot of those guys. But I think you could tell. By, I even asked him last week after the the snowball win uh, against Stevenson. I was like, "So you're a little hesitant on it. How, how do you feel about it now?" He's like, "Oh, just ignore that guy. This is exactly what I wanted." And I, I think you could tell once they were having success, it, it, it was an experience and 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 making memories that. He, he was definitely glad he was a part of, and I think he was a big part of what made that team 13-0 and and, and got them to the Uperdome in that state title. Uh, so uh, all around as far as character, leadership, and uh, being effective on the field offensively and defensively, I know he made a lot of big plays, uh, tackles, and interceptions throughout the year as well. I think he was one of the, the big reasons why the Trojans are your state champs. So I'm nominating Mr. Gavin Mortensen. Yeah, and I am going to back you up on that one and go with Mortensen as my vote. Uh, like I said, he had those three big passes. He had the two biggest plays on the game-winning drive, including that 51 pass to Papineau and then the, like I said, the six-yard uh, touchdown run uh, to the right and into the end zone. Uh, senior, and I mean, certainly deserves its senior leadership throughout the season, and uh, a great two-way player. Uh, so Mortensen is my pick for Athlete of the Week. Mortensen it is. I mean, you win a state title. You're, you're the quarter, senior quarterback of the team. Uh, do a bunch of stuff on the field to contribute to that. Uh, it's hard to vote against a guy like that. All right, congratulations, Gavin Mortensen, on being our 12th inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. No doubt the biggest honor he will have the entire week. Yes, this right is. We've talked about this. This is a resume builder. This is this is like a state title. It's something you put on your college application and job applications, and uh, even go ahead and put us down for references if you want. Please do. You, yeah. We're more than happy to to talk you guys up. Well, let's get moving on now to over and under. Fall sports are now in the books, so we're not going to be talking about those anymore. Let's move on to winter sports and talk a little boys basketball right now. The Northwest Conference is pretty stacked uh, when you look at the teams. Of course, you have the state runner-up Buckley Bears coming back with a, uh, a loaded roster after only losing uh, senior Dylan Hankins, uh, who wasn't part of the, the main five, uh, who but was a, a good role player off the bench for the Bears. You also have an improved Glen Lake team with Cade Peterson, Xander Okerlund, 
Uh, Nick Apsey as well down there uh, playing some uh, uh, some pestering defense. You have Frankfurt as well with uh, Griffin Kelly probably uh, at least considered for our football player of the year, I would imagine. Uh, you also have Matt Loney and what Frankfurt did last year was pretty impressive. You also and Jalen Rogers. Oh, and Jalen Rogers. How did I forget? How did I forget? Jalen, why didn't you play football? Yeah, I would have. It would have been a lot easier for me to remember Jalen if uh, if he had played football. But yeah, of course, Jalen Rogers as well because he's your Stefanski uh, plays basketball too. Yeah, Stefanski also plays. So that's Kirk Myers. Yeah, and again, so (laughs) we doing the fall preview right now. There's your starting five for Frankfurt right there. Right. So you have a, a very very talented team there. You also. Uh, have a good Sutton's Bay team uh, led by Thomas Hersey, uh, who was very effective uh, last year. Original finalists. Yeah, yeah and, and played uh, really played well uh, against uh, against Buckley, despite being hounded by Ridge Beeman uh, the entire game. Uh, he was, I mean, he only had three points, but he he was effective on on defense as well for uh, for Sutton's Bay. And you have Benzie Central, uh, which can always uh, come up and bite a team. Uh, I think the Northwest Conference is maybe one of the strongest basketball boys basketball conferences in the state in terms of competition. I, I know that they're uh, Division Four, but uh, uh, still, I, I think they've having having a state title favorite definitely helps that argument. So I'll, I'll side with you on that one. Mm-hmm. And two other teams that you know, England Lake and Frankfurt, that uh, you know, that in normal years could be uh, top ten teams, but everybody's going to be voting kind of for Buckley probably. But uh, I mean, yeah, the, the top of that league is is very tough, and the rest of the league is not a pushover either. I mean, yeah, Kingsley will probably be okay. You know, maybe not. They're not going to be putting up great record or anything like that probably but they'll be competitive in there they'll get Benzie will be competitive you know all these teams you know Leland's got Garrett Miller who's maybe one of the highest scoring players in the area uh, so I mean this this whole league is uh, not a lot of easy games so we'll go ahead and get to the over and under right now let's talk about Buckley you have a starting five uh, four seniors Austin Harris, Denver Cade, Brock Beeman, and Joey Weber, and then you have the junior Ridge Beeman. So there's your starting five. My over-under here, Buckley repeats as the Northwest Conference champion. Yeah, I'll, I'll take repeat. If it was the over-under for the record, I was going to say no, because they went perfect in the regular season. Their only loss was to Powers North Central. Yeah, they went 26-1 last year. So if that was the over-under, I was going to say no, mostly because I'm hoping if that's the scenario that presents itself, I always think if you're going to be a state championship team, you get a loss or two in the season, that kind of makes your program a little bit better. Unless your power is North Central, and then you don't lose for three years. And, unless you're them, but, you know. And I think only have one loss in four years, is that right? Well, respect to Buckley, they're not going to break the winning streak of Powers North Central for 84. No, they were in the 90s by the, the, 90s by the end now. of the season, yeah. Okay, so they're probably never going to break that. I don't know if any team is ever going to break that. <laughs> yes. I'm just keeping the door open just in case. I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, but, yes, I feel like through a 16-game conference, I don't know how many conference games they have. I'm assuming they all play each other twice, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, the rest of the leagues. Um, but I, a repeat, yeah, they're, they're definitely the most loaded roster, and they're probably I would expect maybe a loss or two with the loaded field, especially road games, and maybe some off nights for some guys. Because I, I, especially when you're talking about Buckley, they are they're looking ahead at what they can accomplish in March. But I know they want to accomplish big things in the regular season as well. So I, I would be 
expecting them to, to pull out a repeat. Well, I talked to Blair Moss, the head coach for the Buckley Bears last week, and he actually said to me, he's like, I won't be upset if we lose two, three, four games. Like, he's not... He's not worried about a regular season undefeated record. He's that that doesn't worry him. I don't even know if he's too worried about a Northwest Conference championship. I'm sure that he would like that. I'm sure that he would like to go undefeated in the regular season. I, I'm sure he would like all of those things, and the players would like all of those things. But what he would really like is a state championship, and that's his goal. That's all he wants. That's why he's he's put together a more difficult uh, non-conference schedule for that team. But. I mean, you really have three legitimate contenders for this uh, Northwest Conference title, and as good as Buckley was last year and as good as Buckley is going to be this year because watching them in practice, I mean, they were three days in the practice and they looked like they were in midseason form. I mean, Brock Beeman has, from what I saw, has really improved. He, he had a lot of confidence out there, and again, I know it was just in practice, but he looks really good. Ridge, who is coming off of walking pneumonia, that kid can jump out of the gym. I swear to God, he has he can he can throw it down anytime that he wants to. He is he is strong, and, and Weber has gotten a lot bigger, and he can throw it down. And and then you have the two sharpshooters in uh, Austin and uh, in Austin Harris and Denver Cade, and they were raining threes during practice. I mean, just able to and, and a good like four or five feet outside the arc, they were putting him in, but. You really have to look at that Frankfurt team and that Glen Lake team as legitimate challengers for that Northwest Conference title. You, I, I would not be surprised if Buckley did not win the Northwest, and I, I wouldn't be surprised that they did either. There's, uh, but like I said, so are you over or under? I am. I, I don't. I, I guess I would say it's, uh, it's a bit of an overreaction right now, just because we're not sure how good the those top three teams are going to be but I, I really you got to give a, a lot of love to Frankfurt uh, and, and Glen Lake I mean I'll, I'll, I'll take that one I mean the defending champs they got uh, pretty much everything back from last season the entire starting lineup returns they're gonna have all and the a healthy Nick Kuhn who is going to be a big body down there in the middle yeah that 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 I think is going to be big for them especially in the regular season when you have to met you know, play some matchups here and there, and then have a, a big body down there to be able to bang with some teams. Um, but they've got everything back, um, and you know, the, the defending champions, Glen Lake and Frankfurt, will will give them a run, definitely. They're also worth noting a first quarter away from probably being defending state champions. Just going to put that out there. Yeah, it's tough to come back against the Powers North Central team that goes twelve for twelve and. 14 for 15, they, I believe. They have, did they have 40 points in that first quarter? It was 38. 30, oh, I'm sorry. They had 38, 38 points in the first quarter. And Buckley quarter. still came back to make it a one-possession game, two-possession game? They got to within five, and it would have been two, two if Austin Harris's three-pointer, which was about halfway down in, in the and bucket, out. and then, but it, yeah, it, it, it went in and out. I, and I said to Blair Moss, I, I told him that if Harris's, if that three-pointer goes in, they win that game because at that point it's it's a two point game and they are in uh, the Jets' heads and, yeah. and after that it was over. I mean, How, another quarter and that game was over. Probably played five quarters of basketball. So yeah. just throwing that out there. Let's let's go ahead and make the Northwest Conference like the Western Conference in the NBA. We have a Golden State Warriors, but we have a lot of talented teams right next to them that would love the opportunity to knock them off and. Let's face it, you tip the ball up on a certain night, guys have off nights, you never really know what to expect. So Does that make Madden the Cavaliers? Sure. 
They're not that old, but sure. The Northwest Conference, I think, as a whole, is just going to be loaded this year. Um, I think we've pointed this out before, but uh, maybe just in print because we didn't have a podcast going at the time. But uh, on the entire first and second teams and the all-conference team in the Northwest, there was only one senior, and that was Nathan Shaw from Kingsley. So all three of the top contenders and most of your other teams in the league have all their top players coming back. I mean, so that, that league is just going to be fun to watch throughout the season. Good stuff. Moving on to some more boys basketball. Let's keep it local here in Traverse City as we talk Traverse City West, Traverse City Central, and Traverse City St. Francis. So last year you had uh, West win the Big North Conference and St. Francis win the Lake Michigan Conference. Uh, Central did give uh, uh, the, the Titans a good run in a couple of games, but the over and under reaction here, West repeats in the BNC and St. Francis repeats in the LMC. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot more question marks in those two conferences than I think necessarily Buckley being the unanimous favorite in the Northwest Conference. Uh, Lake Michigan's tough. I remember last year, it was uh, each week we had a new lead game because a new team was leading the Lake Michigan Conference every week between Grayling, Elk Rapids, Boyne City, St. Francis, uh, Charlevoix put together some impressive games. Harbor Springs would put together some impressive games. So... I, I think that makes the Lake Michigan field that more much more interesting because you probably don't have a clear-cut favorite out of the gate. I'm not looking at the rosters and who's returning right in front of me, but I, it just seems like the Lake Michigan, it always kind of comes down to those final two weeks and maybe which team has the hot hand. When you get kind of like baseball, you can play all season, but you get to those final two weeks, whoever's playing the best might just be the one that wins the conference title. And for the Big North, it can kind of be that way as well. I mean, West has had an impressive run, what, four straight district championships, I think, for the Titans? Uh, so uh, that's a very impressive stat, and that's not even what you're asking about, but uh, impressive for them to close out the conference. Uh, we'll see how they do. Central will be having a new head coach in the mix with Travis Shuba, uh, have his chance to put his fingerprints on a program. Uh, that Coach Turner's done a good job with the past few years. Uh, but I, I feel like these conferences are a little more up in the air, so I feel comfortable in saying, you know, we'll see a new champion in one, maybe both leagues. Yeah, I can definitely see somebody uh, somebody else coming in and taking the Lake Michigan Conference. I mean, St. Francis lost uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, they lost uh, Lauke and uh, Hetfield, the older Hetfield, not James. <laughs> Uh, uh, so they lost their two big guys in the middle, uh, plus Gabe Calry, who kind of made that team go. Um, so those are some pretty big losses to overcome. Uh, so, you know, uh, Sean Finnegan's a pretty good coach. I, you know, I, I like him as a coach. Uh, so I think that they'll be they'll be good there. Um, you know, it's just a matter of the rest of the league. I think it's gonna gonna be tough, like you said. I mean, last last year was just it was touch and go the whole time. You didn't you didn't know who was gonna win that league. As far as TC West, I mean, they have a, a lot coming back. Uh, I think they have nine guys, eight or nine guys coming back who were on the varsity team last year. And they've got their entire starting backcourt back. They've got Ryan Hayes back. And they've got uh, Miguan's Barrientos. Right, you who, covered that their their run there in, in the postseason. And you saw him score, I, they, did he put up like 23 points in the fourth quarter, something like that? Something, yeah. He had something a comeback like, effort that was pretty... Yeah, and it was in that... Somebody. Yeah, the whole, the whole playoffs, I mean, he was one of those guys that came off the bench and just sparked them um, in the in the regional win over Mount Pleasant and then in the regional final loss against Saginaw. Um, I mean, in the fourth quarter of that game, they, they pretty much just put the ball in his hands and said, here, go get his points, and he did. 
Um, and he's one. He's one of those kids that I'm really excited to watch this season uh, and see if he takes that next step because um, he just can kind of can kind of score at will. He's you know he could be the Steph Curry of the Big North Conference. How important was it for him to finish off last year on such a high note and giving him confidence to coming into this season? Uh, I think it's got to be huge. I mean, in that fourth quarter against Saginaw, I mean he was he was turning down open pass to the basket to take a step back and drill a three. I mean, that's how confident he was in that game, how, how much he, he was feeling in that game. And then he went and played travel ball this, this summer, um, so he's going to be coming into this season um, really good. I don't know if West will go with a th- maybe a three-guard rotation or just well, start three Hayes guards. in the middle, so you've got enough size that you can kind yeah, of Yeah, you can just go Hayes and three guards. How big of a jump do we expect Hayes to make this year? He made such an enormous jump from his sophomore to his junior years as a basketball player. What are we thinking for uh, him this year now as a senior coming in? I think, uh, you know, he's obviously in the back of his head. He's focused on football a little with his uh, plans to go to Ann Arbor. But I, I, I talked to him preseason. And I, in the past, sometimes that's affected guys and if they get to play the season. But he seemed to be under the impression that everything was A-OK for basketball. So, hey, this is his last chance playing competitive basketball. He's going to have a lot of fun, and he's going to be a focal point of what that team does on both ends of the floor. If he's not putting up points, he's definitely being an effective big body down low grabbing rebounds. So, mm-hmm. I know we talked about the conferences being up in the air, but is uh, Traverse City West the, uh, the favorite in the Big North? I would have to say so. Um, I mean, Petoskey lost a couple of guys. Uh, they'll still be good. I think Petoskey. I, I think it'll still come down to West and Petoskey. Mm-hmm. You know, some other teams that can that can be a factor in that. Cadillac as well. always has some uh, some quick teams that are, mm-hmm. are certainly capable of some big wins. So it, it, the Big North kind of it it has that feel that it it kind of changes lead faces every few years because they've Cadillacs had a few years where they've been dominant. Petoskey's had a few years where they've been dominant. So maybe we're in the West phase of dominance, and maybe we'll see another one take a step. Let's mm-hmm. let's. Uh, Let's get to December, second week in December, and find out. Well, let us move on now out of the local sports arena and into the NFL for some reason, seeing as how, Harrison, you don't really watch the NFL all that much, and I don't watch the NFL all that much, but we do have our preeminent authority on Detroit Lions football here in James Cook. Uh, you pretty much can ask that guy anything about the Lions, and he knows it. So you have the Lions and Vikings meeting on Thursday for the annual Thanksgiving game. I'm going to say my over and under reaction here, and this is really just to get some conversation going since the Lions just barely beat the reeling Chicago Bears. How did they only win by three and also making our picks pushes because they were favored by three? I was very upset about that, and I'm pretty sure I did poorly after like having three good weeks of, of my NFL picks. Uh, so this one is just to kind of get the conversation starting. Over under reaction, the Lions blow out the Vikings and win on Thursday. No, they don't <laughs> blow them out. Do they win? I I, I think they'll win. Uh, the Lions have been good on Thanksgiving. Uh, they they beat Minnesota. I I think fairly convincingly, even though it was on the road. The score wasn't a a huge margin, but I I still think it was a fairly convincing. Was well, Minnesota win. riding a seven game win streak and one of the hottest teams in football at the time? With That's Case true. Keenum, gunslinger Case Keenum. That's wow, true. look the, at that hot NFL take from Harrison. And the I don't know if it's a hot take other than just information. Staring at standings, yeah. Well, who was the last team to beat the Vikings? Oh, it was the Lions, yeah. That's what people are saying. So. That's true. On the road, too. But Latavius That's Murray is, has taken off now as a, as a running back for them, so they've got a legit lead running back, which they didn't have back Jarek then. Jarek McKinnon's a strong point of my fantasy team, too, uh, every other week. 
Is that even a real person? Probably yeah. not. Yes, he is. He's a Minnesota Viking. I didn't know who the Bears running back was that I drafted. Jordan Howard. I didn't know who he was at the beginning of the year. And Jay Bush and our buddy at the Leland Enterprise. Oh, yeah, he's good. Go ahead, take him. Jordan Howard, the son of Michael Jordan and Ryan Howard. I don't know if you guys knew that. The adopted I son. I hope for his sake two. that's not true. Not Dwight Howard? No, I probably should have gone Dwight Howard, but and I I mean, make it two basketball guys <laughs> and then someone who plays football. He just broke off. But for some reason, the, the only Howard in uh, sports that I can remember was a former Philly slugger, Ryan Howard. Yeah. Who shares my birthday, which was yesterday. So. Oh, happy or birthday, Sunday. November 19th, turning a... Crisp, 31 years old. Well, we didn't have to. Feel. Everybody's convinced when I go to high schools that I still graduated three years ago, though, so that's all good. Well, I just turned 33 November 6th, so uh, happy birthday. That's right. I'm the youngest in this room, so I don't have to let 31 bother me too much. No, not at all. So back to the Lions. Uh, yeah, Minnesota's looking pretty good, but Lions as a team and their fans... This I go back and forth with the Lions all the time because they've just broken my heart so many times. But even with some dumb losses, the Atlanta loss, the, the, whether that is or isn't their fault, uh, the Carolina loss, the New Orleans loss, which whose fault? Who can you blame? Countless number of people on that game. They, their fans and their team believe in something special with with them. So I would not be shocked to see them take down Minnesota. But uh, I also predict them to be our familiar Lions and to maybe give us a competitive half and then by the third, fourth quarter starts, Minnesota pulls away by two touchdowns and dinner's ready and we're like, oh, well, we're on to the next Baltimore whoever's the week after Tampa Bay. So that's what I project is going to happen because Minnesota is so red hot but the Lions just have a different vibe to them this year that they are going to be competitive in all games and uh, should be impressed regardless if they lose the game. This is the only remaining winning team on their schedule. The rest are a sub-500 record, so mm-hmm. even if you lose this, you're still probably going to have a pretty good season, especially with Aaron Rodgers out. You've still got a great chance as a Lions fan to, to be back in the playoffs. Yeah, I, th- I think a win on Thursday, too, um, kind of locks up the division. Not necessarily, but it gives you uh, the... For the, Detroit? Yeah, they would be 4-0 in the division. But Minnesota's two games up right now, so they'd still be a game up. Yeah, but I think with Detroit's schedule down the rest of the, the rest of the way... Minnesota's got a much more difficult schedule. Um, I wouldn't say lock up the division, though. I, I would say it puts them in the driver's seat. Put them in the driver's seat and lock the door on the division. <laughs> Passengers. Child right. lock. Let's, let's do that. And then hit the Viking horn. Ooh. Perfect. That, that sounded like my Shamu impression. Right? Perfect. That was a really good Shamu impression. I'm glad that we got at least one impression on the podcast today. because I was hoping we were going to do the Jerry Angers roundabout. Gary part. Angers. No, I don't know who that is. His, his pants-wearing evil twin. I don't know twin. who that is. I've his, never talked to that man before in my life. pants-wearing evil twin. One of my favorite things in the world. That and the tackle tackle football bill from Central Lake. Those two. Gary Angers, pants-wearing evil twin, and tackle yeah, football sh- bill. Tackle football bill probably should have been the athlete of the week. No disrespect to Gavin. I mean, tackle football bill is a real reason they got there. Dude, athlete of, football athlete of the year. Right, James? You're putting that team together. Tackle football bill. There, there's your winner. We need to get a mugshot. Fan of the year. Did you get a mugshot in the game? I did not, but he has a pretty glorious beard. A little bit better than uh, the Beach Bums uh, James Ball. Was that that guy's name? Fear yeah. yeah. For the beard who lasted like uh, two minutes before getting uh, shipped off. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. Thanksgiving game on uh, Thursday, of course, since I think Thanksgiving always falls on a Thursday. I'm not sure about that, but I, I do believe that is correct. That's what the Pilgrims yes, wanted. It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, let's do a perfect segue and wrap up the show with our trifecta. 
and our favorite Thanksgiving traditions, I'm going to say other than overeating, and probably other than just watching football. If, if you have like one that's specific to your family, that would be good. But James, if yours is just watching football and overeating and, and letting loose, you know, unbuttoning your pants and zipping down that fly and then putting your hand down your pants and watching TV and maybe falling asleep the, with your hand in your pants. The Al Bundy? Doing the old Al Bundy. There's nothing wrong with that. A tradition, tradition. unlike any other. A tradition. Thank you, Jim Nance. <laughs> Hello, friends. Three impressions. Shamu, Gary Angers, and now Jim Nance. Technically, I was doing the Viking horn. But, but it sounded like Shamu. So, all right, James, your Thanksgiving tradition, which I'm assuming is going to be watching football, overeating, and cradling your nuggets. Well, they said we couldn't do uh, overeating, so that's just a given. Yes, really. an absolute given. I mean, uh, and then, and then post-eating naps, of course. But yeah, it's when post-eating eating. Yeah, like waking later up, in the night, waking like up from your nap and then eating again. Yes, that's for some reason I'm always hungry like three hours after I've eaten a bunch. That's good. That means you're digesting your food properly. That is good. I Supposedly, guess. I'm not a doctor, but one time I ate so much I thought I was having a heart attack. I had to lie on the floor of my. It was like that room. Homer Simpson episode where he. It was It needed to drink a little beer to put out that fire? It was not good. I, 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 then I spent a, a few more a glorious 45 minutes on the toilet later that night. So Good potty humor here on the, on the mm-hmm. podcast. James, for the love of God, make me stop talking and talk about your Thanksgiving tradition. Yeah, it's, it's got to be football. I, I mean, a, a decent chunk of my family has is either from or has connections to Wisconsin, and the, the Lions usually play the Packers a lot of seasons. On Thanksgiving Day, so it uh, it makes it an interesting day around the house with the with the entire family there, and uh, not everybody rooting for the same team. Unfortunately, your Thanksgiving tradition this year is going to be working, so I'm sorry about that. That's James. mine too, though. Yeah, yeah. you've you've got to work on uh, on Thanksgiving. Harrison, your wonderful is it hitting the mic? Is that your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? No, I'm usually not. A, oh no, I am because I usually work. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of little family things. We used to play games a lot. I think a couple of years we we did the movies afterwards. So there'd be there'd be a lot of different things. My new favorite tradition, though, basically delves from Thanksgiving into Black Friday. Is now that I get out at midnight because there's Thursday night football uh, on NBC every Thanksgiving. So I'm at the office till around twelve thirty one o'clock. I go out and we didn't get the chance to reference movies because you pulled it from the trifecta category. I go out and I go bargain bin DVD shopping and it is the most magical experience of the entire year. If that's, you, that's the most magical time of the year, not Christmas. Well, picture Christmas morning. Bargain you op- bin. You open DVD presents. Shopping. You open presents and you you don't know what you're gonna get and that mystery, that excitement, oh what's what what's in here? You know, who I hope it's not a pair of socks. I hope it's a rock'em sock'em jetpack or whatever Stretch Armstrong used to have back in the day. Uh, no. You go out there you find some quality. I picked up what fourteen movies for forty bucks a couple years ago, and it just felt like a steal. Why don't you just take the entire bin, lift it up, and dump it into the cart? Oh, because I don't need three copies of Time Cop. I don't think anybody needs one. No, copy that's a of South Time Park Cop. reference. No. Um, but yeah, I don't need most of those garbage movies. But when I see the movies that I either really liked 
a long time ago that I'd say, hey, three bucks? Yeah, I'll put that in my collection. If you've ever been to my place, I know you have. There's a giant wall of DVDs just in case you ever need to throw one. In case the internet's out and you can't access Netflix, you need those solid discs. Uh, so whether it's a classic movies that I haven't seen in a while that I'd like to pick up for cheap, or if it's like an Academy Award winning or a great movie, like I still I'm banking on Star Wars, these new Star Wars movies to be like under ten bucks on Black Friday, but they just won't lower the price. They're Disney's so greedy, they're just gonna keep charging seventeen bucks on discount Black Friday. Rat bastards. So yep, I live in that world. Uh, but no, it is a very exciting little. Uh, now it's been like four or five years. A couple of us from work will go out and get some deals, and I'll always venture over to the uh, the movie aisle because my dream job one one day when I was a kid was to either be a movie star or own a video store. Uh, so maybe that's the inner child in me reaching out and seeing uh, what great motion pictures are. Well, I don't discounted think rates. I don't think now is a good time for you to live one of those dreams, which is owning a video store. Those. Uh, I, I read just uh, another Blockbuster closed today, and I didn't even know that I thought Blockbuster was done. I didn't even know they still existed, but I read that one closed today. So, and they were taking down the sign. I don't know, not Maybe around here. it was an here. online one. I think all the physical stores no, it was, were closed. There's still a physical uh, Blockbuster video store out there. At least one of them. They have a yeah. great Twitter account. That, that was what I was just going to say. They're, the last Blockbuster Twitter is account a is great. great. Twitter account. I highly suggest trying to find that one. It is awesome. Who's ever running that is a is a genius. Well, are they out of a job now that their store's gone? Well, I don't know if that was the one, but uh, it's like I said, just try to find it. It's it's definitely uh, worth a follow on Twitter. My Thanksgiving tradition also has to kind of do with movies. And after we eat uh, dinner at my parents' house, we head over to my aunt and uncle's uh, on my uh, on my dad's side of the family. And I have a bunch of cousins, like 43 of them, Irish Catholic. We were reproducing like rabbits. And we have this awesome tradition where we play the movie game. I think I brought this up to, I know I've definitely brought it up to you, Harrison, and James, maybe I've brought it up to you before, but we play the movie game where we all sit in a circle and we go around, and it always starts with Robert De Niro in Goodfellas. And then you have to go a, an actor from Goodfellas to another movie that he or she was in. So you would go... Say, Robert De Niro, Goodfellas, Joe Pesci, Home Alone, Daniel Stern, City Slickers, Billy Crystal, When Harry Met Sally. And you can see... Look at this guy. So you just kind of... That's you, not in your notes, is it? It is not in my notes. And so you just kind of go around the circle, and who, if someone can't come up with an actor in a movie, they're out. Uh, but they can also challenge the other person, the one who said that, to then come up with an actor in a movie... Uh, from that one, and if that person cannot, you can issue a challenge flag. You can, yeah, you can throw Red the challenge flag. flag. Um, it's, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun, and it's one that usually results in us being in, you know, uh, hanging out until like one, two o'clock in the morning before I am eventually crown champion. If memory serves me correct, I think I beat you at that oh, game last time we played. Oh, you whooped my ass. <laughs> And it's because while you're playing the game, I'm out buying the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and you are not invited to play. So no, I, think, I would. I think I had a fluke uh, beginner's luck. I no, I would play the one time. Yeah, so. I, I would love to play that game with you, even if I if I do uh, get taken out behind the woodshed. And I it wasn't that bad. I just remember round six or seven. I, I got you in a good spot. So 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 do you bargain bin shop? You do you get a new copy of uh, Mighty Ducks like every year because you've won. No, I didn't round. buy that. I bought that uh, around Thanksgiving time. Or no, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving. Around like Halloween time. A strange purchase in the month of October, but. Uh, no, I got that before, and it took me a while to get those movies. So, but yeah. they're there; they're in the collection. Give them, worn them out. 
No, I, I try and copy. Um, I make a goal. I think Brendan's kind of like me in this one. I don't want movies, especially good movies, to become repetitive. And so comedies are one thing, but like real classic feels movies, I space them out every two, three years, so they they still have that special. And when I need them, they're right there. And two hours later, I'm recharged. Good stuff, boys. That was one fine show that we just put together. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This is going to wrap things up for us here on the Get Around Podcast. Thank you for listening to episode number 12. I have been your host, Brendan Queeley. And alongside me this week, 7 and 4 is Harrison Beebe. And, of course, our senior sports writer at the Traverse City Record Eagle, James Cook. Make sure that you check out uh, the Get Around on SoundCloud coming up this Thursday as we will release the boys soccer all-region team with our coach of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and team captain of the dream team, the overall player of the year. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Get Around Podcast. You have yourself a good rest of the week.